You're listening to the Pivotal Running Podcast, the podcast that demystifies running. We help runners across the entire spectrum of human performance and inspire runners to take powerful steps in the pursuit of excellence. The first question I got, uh, Eric, is is having a world records, right? And a world championship medal. You got American record previously, right? And you've got over 200 sub 150, 800 meter races. These are all accomplishments, right? Most runners would dream to just have one of those on their resume. Can you talk about what's next in 2022 and maybe beyond? Yeah, so uh, this year, I mean, I've got a couple of races coming up the next couple of weekends and uh, U.S. Championships the, the end of June. And I think, honestly, the, the team's pretty wide open for the U.S. this year um, as far as the 800 goes. So, um, I mean, that's that's the number one goal is to hopefully, you know, run a couple of good rounds at the, at the championships and, and put myself in the final and, uh, you know, see what happens. I think that's the biggest thing for me is that, you know, if you, if you put yourself in the final and uh, give yourself a shot that uh, – I mean, that's all I can ask for. So I think that's probably the main goal for me. If you take apart like pacing, racing, everything is just the U.S. champs and uh, just giving myself the best opportunity that I can there. And then yeah, after that, hopefully just get in, in some more races at the end of the year. And then, uh, you know, I've been approached to uh, pace some more of the, the Diamond League 1500s, a uh, couple of 800s uh, when the year goes on. So hopefully, you know, help some other guys uh, get themselves some fast times later on too. So Yeah, that's, that's awesome. You're like the running metronome. <laughs> for, for the world i like yeah. seriously like so how do you best describe the professional running world community as a whole honestly it's one big family um you know people wouldn't really expect that because you know you're like racing these guys week in and week out and uh but i mean man some of my best friends um are these guys that i you know race or pace every single weekend um you know you you travel together, you know, from, from country to country and get to know a lot of these people pretty well, um, you know, on and off the track. So really, honestly, it is just one big family and it's, uh, you know, it's been awesome to be able to do this for over a decade now. That's excellent. What are some of the greatest lessons that you've learned in the professional running world? Patience. <laughs> uh, I mean, I, I, I'm a pretty patient person as is, but, uh, I mean, running is a sport that, you know, not everything is going to go your way all the time, whether that's, you know, whether training's not going well, whether racing's not going well, or, you know, sometimes when you get to these places you're not familiar with, uh, you get to the airport and there's no one there to pick you up and you got to figure out, hey, what am I going to do? How am I going to get myself to, to this meet, to this hotel? And uh, yes, I think for me, it's just been, you know, learning patience and realizing that, hey, like everything's going to take care of itself. And that the only thing I need to worry about is uh, putting my best self on the track. So I think that being patient uh, is a big thing. Um, time management has been a big thing for me. I think that that's really helped my career, you know, even when I just started in college, it's just, you know, getting the other things in my life taken care of and done and in school. I mean, that was, you know, schoolwork and, and whatnot. And now it's just, you know, just the little things off the track that you need to, to take care of with your family and, and whatnot. I think that that's been big. That just takes a little bit off my plate when I step on the track, you know, I don't have to worry about anything else. Um, and honestly, the, the, the thing I tell uh, when I have a high schooler approaching, I have a college athlete approaching, it's like, Hey, like, what have you done to, 
you know, prolong your career to be successful for this long. And it's really just focusing on the the little things that maybe not everyone else is doing. Um, I mean, I've said this a million times, but I still like, I've done the same routine before bed every single night for the last like 15 years. Um, and I've never missed more than like two days in a row of running from any sort of injury. Um, I think that it's really just that it's like being consistent in my habits day in and day out, you know, you know, making sure like, like diet, you know, I'm getting my weight training in, you know, I'm not skipping workouts and whatnot. It's just like being consistent because it's really just building blocks, right? Like the more that you build day after day, after day, after month, after month, like it's all going to propel you in the future. So the more you focus on those little things today and be consistent with them as you go along, like everything else, just so much easier. Yeah, I'm fascinated about your strength routine. So you do your strength right after hard workouts, Monday, Monday, Wednesday, Friday? Yeah, generally Monday, Wednesday, Friday are like three big workouts for the week. And then we'll do uh, strength training uh, after those. So it's just kind of something we've we've toyed with it a couple of times um, throughout my career. And I just tend to, you know, recover better and perform better doing them after my harder days as opposed to like doing it on an easy recovery day or something. So that was foreign in high school, but then as college developed, I mean, you got from using a like a doll rod and to right a wooden stick to to doing some Olympic lifts and stuff, or what? Yeah, I uh, so I didn't touch a weight in high school um, at all. So I was uh, had no idea what I was getting myself into when I when I got to college. Um, yeah, so I got to college. We were lifting three times a week and just seeing some of the movements that some of these guys were doing, I was like, had no idea what to do. Uh, so like the first six months I was lifting with strictly a broomstick. Um, and I mean, that just kind of, you know, transitioned year after year. And yeah, now we do, you know, Olympic movements three times a week. Uh, and I honestly think it's like probably one of my strengths compared to a lot of 800 meter runners. Now is just like what I'm able to do in the weight room. I think that that's definitely helped me a lot. Yeah. I'd be fascinated to kind of like go back to like, you know, your freshman year of college and see the, you know, like the, the load, can you describe a little bit about the load and, and some of those Olympic lifts? And then as you transition post-collegiately, like you continue that, but obviously the load changes as you get more experience. Yeah. So, I mean, when I was a freshman in college, I was honestly like, if we were doing like a hang clean, power clean, I was maybe doing, I don't know, 135 pounds. I mean, I was 130 pounds at that point. Um, and I mean, we don't really, I don't really max out anymore at, at, at this age. Like I just kind of know what I need to do and when I need to do it. But I mean, I was, you know, getting clean reps at, at 225 plus, I mean, I was squatting for me, I was getting up to like 275, 280, which for, for multiple reps for me was pretty good. So, I mean, I've kind of just at a trajectory like that was something that I would have never expected that I would have been able to do as like a, you know, 125, 130 pound uh, distance runner coming out of high school. So it's been pretty fun. No, it's really cool to see that translate right. And into powerful steps and, and you, it's relative, right? So when you talk about like, you know, mass, uh, whatever a runner weighs in terms of mass, like it's relative power. So that's really cool. That. Like really fascinating to share like the insights and the workload and, and what you're doing in the weight room. So, so let's talk about your pacing duties, right? So in the professional diamond league, you're like the guy, right? Pacing these diamond league races. Um, it's created a lot of world leading performances and how have you conditioned yourself to acclimatize, you know, while traveling and changing environments so rapidly? Uh, I think honestly, a lot of it is all the racing I've done throughout my career. 
Um, it's just, I mean, I've raced so many places and done some crazy stuff with travel. And it's just like making sure that when you step on the line that, you know, you're, you're ready. It doesn't matter how travel went. It doesn't matter how you're feeling that day. Like at the end of the day, like you've got a job you got to do, you need to perform. And I've just kind of taken that mentality into, into these pacing jobs. Um, you know I mean? At the end of the day, like, uh, how a lot of these guys are going to run is dependent on you. Um, so it's kind of cool, you know, to have that reputation of like, Hey, like these guys want you to be there, um, to help them run some fast times. And for me, I think it's just been that experience of just, you know, day in, day out, um, in these races, you know, putting myself in the mix every single time and just, you know, being reliable. Um, I think that that's a, a value that a lot of people have is just, you know, they want someone who's, who's going to be reliable and get the job done. And, uh, yeah, I mean, for me, it's a job, right. So it's just, uh, getting yourself to the line and, and make sure you take care of business. That's kind of the mentality I've had throughout my entire career. Yeah, that's really special. I mean, it's like a, it's a great responsibility and it's like your duty to, to, to perform. Right. I mean, so yeah. many people are relying on you and Hey, let's go back to February when you, you were pacing Olympic champ, Jakob Ingebrigtsen into a world record in the, uh, in the 1500 meters. Like, can you talk about, you know, leading that thing through the one K and then him being able to rip it from there? Like, yeah, it was, it was awesome. I mean, he, he's an incredible athlete. Um, and for, for someone like that to want you to be the guy to, to lead them in that race was, was pretty special for me. Um, so it was a thing. It was like, Hey, uh, let's run 28 second, two hundreds even throughout the whole first K, which for me, I mean, that, that, that's a pretty good workout is, you know, running straight 28s for a thousand meters. And, uh, he kind of told me before the race that, you know, he was, he was feeling good and that, you know, all he needed from me was a thousand meters and that he'd take care of the rest of it. So I knew, you know, if I just got him to a K where he needed to be that, uh, that he'd be good. So. Yeah. That's a fascinating, like insight to that because like, you, like you were scheduled to like go two twenty one, and you went two twenty point nine zero. like, yeah. like, I mean, talk about building trust. I mean, yeah, that's it. I mean, that's exactly how you build trust. I mean, so how, how is that relationship now? And, and with like Stewie and, and Tim, I mean, just talk about the, how you value those relationships and they're reciprocated. Oh, it's awesome. I mean, uh, I've gotten to be really close friends with, with a lot of those guys. Um, you know, we talk frequently, uh, during the season, the off season, Stewie, especially, I mean, Stewie's a, a good friend. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I'm just super thankful for those relationships and just that, you know, they have, you know, the, the trust in me um, to kind of, you know, propel them to hopefully some, some of their goals. I mean, I've had some awesome pacemakers uh, for some of my best races, uh, you know, Bram Sam, uh, you know, Matt Schur, uh, Matt, rest in peace. Uh, but those guys are some of my great friends too. And they just helped me reach some of my goals. So kind of being able to, to give back in that sense and just knowing that these athletes that I'm helping are great guys. And that's just, uh, it's just icing on the cake. That's awesome. Yeah. So, so what do you think staying in Iowa city has helped you, right? Have the longevity in your career. Yeah. I, I think being in Iowa city is a place that I've been super comfortable. Um, I mean, coach Woody is, has been great. Uh, and I've got everything I need here. Um, you know, weight, weight staff, I can use the, the weight room whenever I want, uh, athletic training. Uh, they've been awesome. If ever I, anything from them I don't hesitate to ask things but for me it's just kind of the being comfortable um if you're not comfortable you're probably not going to run well so it's just uh 
it was a constant improvement. I think uh, for my freshman year of high school, I think after that, I PR'd in the 800 for like 10 years straight. I think it was just like looking at that, it was like, you know, we probably don't need to really change anything. Obviously, like there's some little things we could tweak, but if things are, you know, going in, in that trajectory um, and we feel good about everything, you know, I like where I'm at that it never really made sense for me to leave. So uh, it's been awesome. You know, Iowa City is home to me. So I'm super fortunate for the entire community. Yeah, yeah. How does that de- develop into a successful mindset for actually race performances? Yeah. I, I think, you know, if you're not comfortable when you step on the starting line, that, uh, you know, you're probably not going to have a good race. So for me, it's just been, you know, showing up day after day and having that consistency, not just in training, but just, you know, the atmosphere and the environment of training every single day. You know, I go to the track at the same time every day and I know who's going to be there. I know what needs to be done. I think that just having that familiarity um, and just being able to be consistent in that has just made racing feel so much easier. Um, you know, I had a, another coach, Coach Wazoric here, would always just say that, you know, race day is really just a uh, one rep max at 95% effort. So, uh, you know, it's just another workout. <laughs> so I think that, you know, just the more that, uh, that you're consistent in, in practice, uh, it just translated for me to just uh, be easier in the races. You know, that's incredibly insightful about your, right, your training, you know, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, when you're doing your hard workouts. So would you care? To, I mean, that's exactly what you're doing. You're, pre- you're preparing you've already done the workouts before. So it's nothing new on race day. Is that, is that how I understand? hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, we, uh, probably not super common for 800 guys, but I mean, starting in practice in October every year, like we do a hard speed day every Monday, um, every Wednesday is kind of, uh, you know, either a longer workout on the track or a heart like type run. And then Friday is, uh, some faster stuff on the track. And so we just, you know, pile those workouts, on top of each other. I think that for me, it's definitely helped even just in the racing the rounds, right? Because to make a team, you've got to run three really solid 800s in four days. So I think that, you know, having those workouts stacked on top of each other, um, it's just made like the stimulus of racing feel that much easier with how consistent we are with that during the week. No, that's incredibly insightful. Can you talk about um, the type of climate and culture that Iowa created in order to, to win the big 10 championships back in 2011. Man, that's still probably one of my favorite memories of, of running that I've had. Uh, so when I came in as a freshman, we were last in the big 10 indoors my freshman year. Um, yeah, I mean, it was just kind of a thing. We knew like we had a lot of really solid athletes, but um, you know, we needed to, to, to come together and, you know, some people probably needed to, sacrifice some things off the track in order to you know help the team achieve their goals and you know we became a really really tight-knit group of guys um, I mean we would have uh, the shot putters and the throwers they would stay around after practice and watch us finish our workout and cheer us on to do that um, and, and you don't see that a lot right, um, right. so I think that you know that was that was awesome I mean, we were just such a tight-knit group that you know everyone wanted to do their job um, just to see everyone else succeed and get that, get that championship. I think it was the first championship that the team had won in like, man, over 50 years. Um, so we scored over a hundred points on the track the last day, which is funny. Uh, the athletic director was in the, the athletic director was in the crowd and he actually left because they didn't, he didn't think we had a chance. So they had to call him to come back for the trophy presentation when we ended up winning, which was, uh, which is pretty cool. And we did it at home, which was even more special on top of that. So um, that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, I mean, any team that's 
write down going the final day of competition does I mean, that's really a, a great story and a testament to like, I mean, you gotta right compete on the, up until the very end. So like oh, the hundred points, did it come down to the four by four? Came down to the four by four. Yeah. Oh, and, uh, that's amazing. and we were, you know, we were one of the top teams in the four by four every year. Um, I think we made NCAA indoors and outdoors like three or four times um, when I was there, but you know, you still have to get the the stick around. You still need four guys to, to perform well. So yeah, it came down to the four by four and uh, we ended up being runner up, um, but you know, it was enough points uh, to pull away from everyone else and, and secure the title, which was, which was pretty cool to be a part of that. That's really cool. That's thanks for sharing that with us. Like, that's awesome. So after 14 years of having coach Woody, right. Alongside of you, right. As your right. Leader, mentor, coach. Yeah. Um, can you describe his ability to build trust with his athletes and with you? Yeah. Um, honestly, like I had no idea what I was getting myself into when I came to Iowa. Um, it's kind of a funny story. So I, had turned in all of my paperwork and everything to go to Wisconsin, uh, everything. Wow. And I, uh, we went on a family vacation at the end of July. School was starting in August and uh, I just kind of had a, had a change of heart. Um, so like three weeks before the school year started, I changed everything up and ended up going to Iowa. Um, and man, that's the best decision that I, that I could have made. Uh, Coach Woody's been great. Um, I mean, he he truly cares about all of his athletes on and off the track. I mean, he's the first one to practice. And, you know, he's always the last one to leave. Um, and I think that what he's done with the program now is just a testament to uh, the type of person that he is. I mean, you know, they before they had a couple of guys get banged up, so they were second this outdoor championship. But before this, they had won the last two outdoors and the last two indoor Big Ten championships. Um, so he's just really, really transformed that program. Um it's just really just, just the type of guy he is. I mean, he can, you know, communicate with everyone. Um, he's, uh, man, I, I, like, I don't even have the words to describe uh, what he means to me, um, you know, not just as a coach, but, but that is one of my best friends. So uh, I'm super thankful for everything he's done. And I definitely would not be in this position without him. Yeah, I appreciate you sharing your thoughts and right and your feelings, because like, I know there's a lot of other people that feel the same way. So, um, yeah. That's wonderful to share that, yeah. that type of relationship. So what advice would you give to a high school runner today on how to best decide on the long-term development of their running? I think probably that not the path for everyone's not going to be the same, right? I mean, not everyone's going to go division one and that's totally fine. I think that, you know, you see a lot of successful athletes in the u.s that have taken so many different routes to getting there and it's just kind of you know trying to figure out what you want running to mean to you um you know whether that's you know you want to shoot for a professional career after that whether it's you know you like to run and you just want to have the opportunity to race i think that's just finding what path makes the most sense for for that person i mean even on iowa's squad right now i mean they've got you know, a guy who just won the Big Ten Championship in the 400 hurdles that, you know, came from a JUCO and hadn't hurdled for three years until now. Um, and just realizing that, like, hey, like, the path for everyone's going to be different. And as long as you give it everything you can, like, buy into the coaching and, and just trust in that, that, you know, the path will end up working out. So I think that that's probably the biggest thing I can think of. So, so what makes the relays so special in track and field, right? I mean, it's, it's something unlike anything else. 
I think it's that team aspect, right? Even for me now, like when we used to have those world relay championships and those four by eights, like those were so much more exciting than pretty much any experience I've had as a pro. I think that, you know, people love to root for teams, right? Like they want to see like a group of people do well and being able to share those experiences with other athletes, I think just makes the relays awesome. And I wish that even as a pro now, I wish that there were a lot more opportunities to do that because I think that that could, that could really help, you know, just the, the fandom of the sport, right? It's just giving people groups of people to root for is what people like to do. Right. So I think that that could, uh, that could pay dividends for the sport is one thing I truly think. Yeah. Could you imagine like uh, the state of Iowa putting a, a four by eight or a four by four and going up against Oregon or, you know, I know they had a, like a, a city uh, league kind of with track a couple of years ago with the Vin Lana, like he put that thing together, but which was yeah. really cool to see, but uh, yeah, it'd be kind of neat to like actually see some, some more relays get off the ground. I agree. So what are some ideas that could bridge the gap between mainstream sports and track and field in your thoughts? Uh, that, that's a tough one. I mean, I've, you know, I've talked to a lot of people about this. Uh, I've talked to Vin about this, you know, he had that, uh, the, the track town series that I was a part of that. And, uh, you know, that seemed like it was going to be a pretty uh, good idea and, uh, fizzled out. I don't know that I have the exact answer. Um, man, I just think ha- letting athletes be able to own their own brand a little bit more, I think could just attract a lot more sponsorship as far as you know like corporate entities go i think that's the biggest thing is you get a lot of these athletes that sign a shoe contract and you know that's the only space on their jersey that they're able to use it's you know that logo on their left chest whereas you see you know nascars is is big with corporate sponsorships i mean even now i mean formula one is taking off and just seeing all of those logos and whatnot that these drivers are able to you know put on their cars put on their clothing i think that you know, that could just attract so much more of an audience because, you know, these big companies, you know, they've got, they've got money to use and they want to put it somewhere. And if they could put it on an athlete, it's going to be successful. Like it could pay off for them. But um, I don't think that there's that type of opportunity in track and field with how strict the current rules are as far as, you know, sponsorship and logos and whatnot goes. I think that that's probably the biggest thing to just, you know, attract new money and new people into the sport. Yeah. I have a question about, you know, the emergence of name, image, and likeness. I mean, do you think that's a positive thing for, for, I mean, even just track athletes or running in general? I think so. Yeah. Um, I mean, when you're a a track athlete at a, you know, a major university to, you know, who cares what, what level it is, but you're putting in a ton of time on the track and and in the classroom to, to be successful. Um, I think that, you know, that people are able to, you know, benefit off of their success like that i think that that can only do good things for the sport um in my opinion honestly so i definitely think it's a it's a positive obviously you know you you're on in some issues with with recruiting and and whatnot um but uh i think that the pros probably outweigh the cons in my opinion yeah that's great thanks for sharing that do you think the um do you think the relays itself could be like a model to like help america or Americans get into watching track and field? You would think so, right? I mean, look at some of the the highest attended, you know, the the best TV ratings of American track and field meets during the year. I mean, you look at Penn Relays, you look at Drake Relays. Um, I mean, Oregon Relays has, has been pretty solid too. Um, I think that, you know, 
those are super, super great models. And people love to watch relays, watch teams compete against each other in, in every event during the day. Um, so, yeah, no, I definitely think so. I think that the relays could probably be a foundation um, as far as something like that goes. And I'm just kind of surprised that they're not more popular. If you were to run a relay, what's the longest relay that you would be willing to run personally? Uh, you might be able to get a mile leg out of me in something, but uh, that would probably be about it. <laughs> would it be over, uh, over, over obstacles? I mean, over hurdles? Yeah. Like if we put those yeah. on there, a mile over? Let's do it. Okay. All right. I'm, I might have to hold you to that. Like, you know, four by mile. So yeah, there was a bunch of four by mile world record attempts this, this track yeah. season, right? So yeah. that's cool. The, uh, yeah. So what's your favorite event at Drake Relays to watch? sprint medley um, oh, nice. Nice. and just uh you know having been a part of a, a couple of those you know it's a kind of a, a weird event you know 200 200 400 800 but i think that you kind of get all of the aspects of of track and field like you've got the sprints but you need to have a successful handoff from the 200 to 200 um then at the end of the day like uh it doesn't slow down really like a like a dmr sometimes where everyone groups up right and you get to the 800 leg and everyone's going all out and I think that that's probably my favorite I mean you know it's a you know a three minute and some odd second race but there's a lot of excitement in it so that's probably my favorite one so I did I got a full disclosure here right so I saw you win right with your team 2011 Drake relays right carried around the flag I was there uh but I really got to say that like the women really set the bar high for you guys right (laughs) yep yeah that was I mean that was pretty special to be able to do that back to back with them uh, you know, that was pretty cool. I mean, those are two of the fastest times that had ever been run there. Um, yeah. Drake and the sprint met at that, at that point. So that was pretty awesome. Yeah. That was actually my first Drake relays back since 2001 when I graduated. So it was really cool for me to like, see this, wait a second. Like I was the best team out here. What, <laughs> what the, this has totally changed in the last 10 years. Like, but it was really fun to watch, uh, right. As a spectator, as a fan of track and field. Do you think Americans would actually benefit from for, from more physical racing like you see in European races? I think so. And I mean, I think honestly, just the more races that people get in different kinds of environments can only be beneficial. Um, I mean, sometimes you get in these European races and there's, you know, 12, 14 guys on the line in an 800 and the first 200 meters is, is super physical. And I think that that's really benefited me and just realizing like, Hey, like I need to, regardless of who's in the race, how many guys are in the race, like I need to put myself in a good position, um, to, to be successful. And, you know, whether that's, you know, throwing some elbows or whatnot, uh, you just kind of need to need to take care of business. I think that that's really helped me be successful in, in racing in general, just having done that so many different environments, so many different races. So I think that people could definitely benefit from that. Yeah, recently in the last couple of years, you've seen a lot of Americans complain or right make gestures during the race. Uh, I'll even bring up Paul Chalimo, right? His his antics and and trying to get, I mean, as he gets maybe jostled or bumped around, it's kind of like like it's naturally going to happen in that type of environment, and actually is more common in like European races. Um, right. So it's hard if you haven't if you haven't experienced that. It's not something you're familiar with. So I think that you know the more that that happens to someone, the more we're able to, to learn from it and kind of figure out like, Hey, what do I need to do in those situations? Yeah. I'd love to know your professional opinion about drifting 
and some of the antics that has has gone on in some of these championship races like in the distance races are, are, are like notorious like the 10k out in eugene like there was drifting and then somebody right he stumbled he actually yeah. he didn't make it to the finish line because he was trying these antics out what are your thoughts on that it's tough man right i mean everyone's trying to be the the, the first one to get to the line um but uh you know i haven't experienced a ton of drifting in, in the 800 so i think that if it was me that that would have happened to in in a race i probably wouldn't be super thrilled about it um but yeah i think that uh man, I don't know what the right answer is there, but uh, <laughs> I think, you know, I, I think that it's, uh, it, it's fairly common, but at the end of the day, I think a lot of times the other guy who does the drifting doesn't end up being one of those first few guys to line, you know, it's, uh, how do I get from point A to point B the fastest and it's, uh, drifting sometimes isn't, uh, isn't the answer. Yeah. The shortest distance between two points, right. It's a straight yep. line. So yep. yeah, no, I appreciate you go, uh, at least answering that one yeah, fairly for sure. uh, well, actually. So what do you think makes someone super competitive, but able to have fun uh, with the workouts and the races? I think a lot of it's just realizing that, you know, the work that you do in the workouts, is what's going to benefit you for the races, right? And if you're super competitive, you want to do well in the races, like that's probably your ultimate goal, right? Is to, to get into the race and, and do well and, and win some races. So you know, if you're able to, you know, have fun and get the work done during practice, um, that you get to the race just that much more confident that you're gonna be able to get the job done. So I think that's probably the biggest thing. It's just, you know, that consistency in training and having fun with training just makes the racing that much easier. And you can see a lot of people that, you know, get to a race and they're, you know, super stressed out and it's kind of unfamiliar to them. Whereas, you know, for me, like I know that the work's been done in practice when I step to the line, it's, uh, it's super familiar and I'm confident. Hey, on that, you know, leading uh, into confidence, getting to the line, can you talk us through maybe like your prep and, uh, and get into the line? Like, okay, so you're probably there two hours before, but I mean, give some details, like what's, are you listening to music? Not, or. Yeah. So, you know, I'll, I'll listen to a little bit of music. Um, so, except, I mean, sometimes some of these European races where you're indoors, especially these warm up areas are so small that, you know, you kind of don't put music in to make sure you don't get run over by somebody. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, it, it just kind of depends on, uh, you know, you know where you're at, but for me generally, you know, I get to the track, uh, usually like an hour before I warm up, I'll warm up, you know, probably 70 minutes before my race. Now it's kind of gotten a little bit longer, the older I get, so I need a few more, uh, fewer minutes to warm up and, and get prepared now, but yeah. So, you know, I do that and I've done, you know, I've got the same routine for warm up that I've done year after year after year. Um, so that's generally it for me. I, mean, I don't have any superstitions or anything, just, uh, go in and, and keep my same routine that I do day after day. Yeah. You'll have to maybe like make a video now that as you, uh, will share some of your sick secrets, you know, like <laughs> on how you, how you actually, you know, get up, what are the, what are the actual drills that you do? And yeah. obviously with consistency, they've been paying off. Um, yeah. What's on your playlist? If I can ask, uh, I'm a big country guy. Okay. Yeah. Like, <laughs> so I just have a, I just have a strictly uh country music playlist that I've added. You know, I add songs to songs like know, they, which artists come years. on songs, which come on, sure. Come on. Uh, I right now, Garth uh, Brooks. No, no, come on. I do like Garth Brooks, but okay. uh, I've been a big fan of Colby Cooper right now. Um, Colby Cooper, Luke Combs are probably a couple yeah. of the guys that I've listened to a lot over the last couple of years, but uh, you know, I just like country music in general. So, uh, I'm not too picky. Oh, that's great. No, we'll have to 
swap playlists or something, you know, I like fair yeah, share for sure. country music as well. So what are your thoughts on the fast U20 times that are just popping off? Like women are just loaded and, and the guys are loaded too, but Hey, talk to me about that a bit. What are your thoughts? It's awesome, right? I mean, it just thinks it shows the depth of the sport. Um, I think that it's going to be really exciting to see how a lot of these athletes perform, um, not just this year, but, you know, coming in the next couple of years with the Olympics here in a couple of years. Uh, I think it's awesome. You know, you see these people running super fast and getting their names out there it just brings more attention to the sport in general. Right. I think that, you know, the more attention on the sport, it can just be better, better for everyone. Uh, but yeah, it's crazy. Some of the times these kids are running now uh, under 20, I was like, man, I was a 154 guy in high school and that wouldn't sniff you anything right now, which is, which is pretty crazy. Yeah. It's amazing. Like, I mean, across the, across the world, right. Everybody who's running fast times, uh, a couple of fast times, even just the last, last a couple of days, right. A couple yeah. of U twenties, 144 and 144 one. Yeah. That was, uh, that was awesome. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's impressive. And like, couple American high schoolers, right. You know, running really fast for the 800, but obviously run really fast for the miles too. So yeah. yeah, pretty interesting to watch. Um, what would be your counter to maybe some, uh, Europeans saying that American distance running is sort of soft, uh, both in them in the, uh, eight and the mile. What are your thoughts? Is it fair? Is it fair criticism? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I think if, if you look at some of these fast, races despite even in the 800 that have happened over the last decade i mean look at like dwayne solomon boris barry and like those were the two guys that were at the front of the races so to say that american 800 meter running is soft like maybe it's in a different phase just in the type of athletes that we have right now but i think that you know as far as if you look back over the last decade that had a couple of the best front runners that you know we've seen in the last 10 20 years as far as the 800 goes um I think the 1500 is just different, right? I mean, you get here uh, in the States and a lot of these meets are, you know, they're, they're rabbited and, you know, guys are just shooting for fast times and it's not really, not really just a, just a race. Right. So I think that it's kind of hard to say, whereas sometimes you get in these European races and, you know, it's 16, 18 guys and no one goes with the pacer and guys are rubbing elbows and, and racing, but to call, you know, the Americans soft because of how the races play out. I don't know that I necessarily agree with that. So Okay, uh, we'll put uh, Josh Kerr on speed dial then and let him know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that he's wrong. No, I'm just kidding. I... No, Josh is awesome. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I, was, I was with Brooks for a little bit, so I'm good friends with Josh. And uh, yeah, I think that, you know, you know he, the way he runs, though, I mean, he, he puts it all out there and he's going to be at the front of any race that he's in. And I definitely uh, admire that about him. So Yeah, so if you guys were to race, like you guys raced in practice and stuff and so 1K, who wins? You, Josh, right now. Right 1K. now. Yeah. Split the difference, I thought. 1K. Uh, that's, I don't know. That's why I'm trying to think. That's tough. Yeah. Um, that's a good matchup, right? I'd, yeah. I I'd think pay it, per view to watch be, that. Like, you know, I'll, I'll give myself a nod there, but I think it'd be close. Yeah. That's that's why I asked. Like, 1K, I was <laughs> like, oh, man. Like, that'd be, I, I'd pay money. So if you to work that out at least you get you know <laughs> name your price i'll log in right pay-per-view uh i'll get some of my friends and then uh yeah it could be like a workout for you guys but i'd still pay that'd be awesome yeah, yeah. it'd be fun to watch so what track event is harder the 400 meter hurdles or the 800 meters so i have not 
participate in the 400 meter hurdles. So but your coach has. My coach has. So See. he said he says the the 800 is harder. The the race of the 800 is harder. Um, but I have seen some of the workouts he puts these 400 meter hurdlers through, and <laughs> I don't know. It's it's hard for me to say. You know, I think they're both tough events. Um, but a lot of it, you know, probably comes down to the type of athlete, right, and what they're uh, what they're best at. So maybe. If you get a, obviously someone with a little more distance minded, maybe the 800 would be easier for them than the hurdles. But yeah, I see some of the, the work he puts those hurdlers through and I do not envy them some days when I go to the track. I'll tell you that. That's awesome. I mean, just to share that, like the, yeah, the workouts that you probably witnessed other people go through, not only yourself. Right. Um, but yeah, that's, it's probably painful to watch. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, especially now, I mean, he's got, you know, uh, some awesome college 400 meter hurdlers. I mean, he's got some some post-collegiates that are running super fast in the 110s of 400 hurdles. So it's kind of cool to just be able to see uh, everything he's able to do as a coach just to, just across events and how he's got so many successful athletes like that. So it's pretty cool to, to go to practice every day and just be in that environment. Yeah, it'd be really cool to see, like, you know, with the 2022 season, as it unfolds, you know, with, with nationals and obviously the world champs being in the United States. Uh, yeah. It looks like Iowa has a great opportunity to, to be rep- represented on the world stage. Yeah. So really cool. So, uh, Hey, like, I gotta ask, like, do you, do you realize like how much of a lore you are like in the last like two years because of the pandemic <laughs> and like all the things that you I mean, all the races that you're leading, right. And, and pacing and, and you're in, and you're making 15 finals, right. 16 this year. Like, yeah. I mean, do you, I know you, yeah, that's, See, I'm, I'm just a guy that likes to run and I'm competitive and yeah, like for me, just like having been able to experience all of this, has just been awesome. If you would have told me, you know, I was a five foot two 90 pound guy as a freshman in high school who when he was a sophomore, the soccer coach told me he was too small to play varsity soccer. And that's how I got into running. I mean, wow. if you would have told me that, you know, we'd be, you know, 15, 16 years down the road and I've been able to do this as a career for, for 10 years that I would have, uh, I would have never believed, you know, I've, I mean, I've met, you know, so many of my best friends through running. I've gotten to meet so many awesome people and travel to, to so many places that, yeah, I mean, I'm just super thankful that I've had, uh, had all these opportunities. So I, I got another question then for you. Do you think the the best American distance runner is on a soccer field somewhere. Possible. Not, yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, so, I think you see, you've seen a lot of um, athletes that transitioned from soccer. I mean, just a couple of people that, you know, I've been close with. I mean, Kaz Loxham was a, was a soccer player. Um, Molly, Molly Beckwith at Indiana. Uh, yeah. Now Molly Ludlow. I mean, she, you know, came off the soccer field as one of the best 800 meter runners in the world there for a while. So I think that they translate well with each other, right? I mean, the, the type of athlete that's generally going to be pretty successful in soccer, especially probably, you know, in that like midfield forward area, I think it's going to be a, probably a pretty good track athlete too. So it's possible. Do you think uh, in the future you could like Sawinski's racing like and be talent scout looking on the soccer fields like for the next great American distance runner? I mean, is that maybe that'd be something? pretty cool, wouldn't it? Yeah. I mean, because you kind of know that sport already, right? right? And you know, like the top, there's a tiering system and Olympic development soccer already. You kind of know, yep. like, if you're not on these certain clubs, right? Like you yourself, like five two, like you may score a lot of goals, but the coach doesn't see you 
developing into like, okay, you're not going to play in Europe, right? Or the right. Premier League. So I'm going to spend my time elsewhere, right? With coach, yeah. you know, with coaching. Right. That'd but, be pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I just pitched that as a, <laughs> I mean, cause you yourself, right. I mean, kind of a novice, you know, into running wasn't, I mean, you didn't even run your freshman year, right. Of high school. Yeah. No, I, I ran, uh, started running as a sophomore. So. Yeah. That's amazing. Like, Hey, were you in marching band? I have to, I have to ask a question. I was. Yeah. Okay. So I did, I was a freshman through freshman, sophomore, junior year. I was in marching band. What instrument? Do you play trombone? Nice. Do yeah. you think that music has anything to do with your timing ability, like your metronome, your ability? I mean, yeah, you know math, but there's a musical component like to like cadence, yeah. right? Pace. No, uh, I think I think so. I mean, you know, when you're in marching band, like you, you know, you're trying to take like one yard steps, and I think that knowing, you know, generally like how many strides I'm taking per hundred meters. I mean, I'm a good math guy. Like I've always been able to do quick math and just like looking at the clock and knowing my strides. I think that that's definitely helped me. Like when I get in a race, like I can just kind of get in that rhythm. Um, and just honestly, like counting off those strides, like I know generally where I'm going to be at what time. So I think that's probably definitely helped my music background. That's awesome. We can be, uh, yeah. We, we make our, uh, our, 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 when we race each other, maybe we can get like a, a marching band, you know, get your, you know, yeah. marching band school and we combine <laughs> like running, bring a marching band, you know, cause you know, marching bands get the bad rap of just having to play at football games, but you're like, Hey, wait a second. Yeah. You know, we could pay potentially the marching band to be at the track meet. Um, and they can do as a fundraiser. Right. Or there you go. Yeah, I just think, uh, yeah, I'm a big music buff, right? So nice. I think music is like, that's amazing that, uh, right? You got a, a late bloom in, in running, but you have all these other skills that you brought into running with you, uh, like music. I won more state championships in marching band than I did in track and field, so. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> that's awesome. That's so cool. Yeah, just I want to say thank you so much for like chatting with me today. I really appreciate like the approachability. Like I asked you and you had no problems like coming on the show and like just Eric, all the things that you've done for our community and like track and field and running in general is just amazing. Like, do you have any like, yeah, no, like, do you have any like final words that you want to say to like anybody else who's like going chasing fast times here in 2022? Yeah, I think, you know, just just put all your eggs in that basket and, and chase your goals because uh, coach has told me as I get older, uh, you know, once you once you stop running at this level, you know, you never can really pick it back up. So I think that, you know, once you've got those goals right now, just uh, just chase them and know that if you do everything in your power, um, whether you reach them or not, that, uh, you know, you've done everything you can and you're a part of a, a special community um, in running and that, you know, you've got so many people cheering for you. Uh, I think that's just the biggest thing for me is that running community as a whole uh, just means a lot to me. And I'm glad to, you know, be able to be a part of it and, and give back when I can. So that does mean a lot. Thanks, Eric. Yeah.